0: Welcome to the podcast of Medora Pentecostal Church. We are a growing community of believers committed to bringing hope and building lives. We pray today's message is a blessing to you.
1: Open your Bibles today to the book of Genesis. Let's go to the book of Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. And verse 22, it's so good to see everybody here today. I know that we're missing some, and all this coffin stuff that's going around. Somebody needs to just put on some kind of aerosol that you just kind of go, psss, and it just kills all the coffin. Amen. Amen. Why don't we invent that, and then we'll just all retire. it be great all right let's get to the word of the lord genesis chapter 3 and verse 22 and the lord god said behold the man is come as one of us to know good and evil and now lest he put forth his hand and take also the tree of life and eat and live forever how horrible would it be to have no reprieve of any kind from sin. So the Lord says, therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. So he drove out the man and he placed at the east of the garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. Those last few words are my, my message title today, the way of the tree of life. Amen. Would you put your Bibles down and let's just begin to pray. Hallelujah.
0: Lord, we love you today. Amen. Praise the Lord. You can be seated.
1: <clears throat> I don't know how rambunctious I will be today, but I'm just asking the Lord for help here uh, this morning. God had original agenda for man. That original agenda for man was to, for man and woman to manifest his glory on this earth, he was and is a God that is invisible, and he created a visible physical world, and he made man to be his representative to show his glory. Amen. I've, I've asked David to help me read a little bit today. If you would read Isaiah 43 and 7. <clears throat> The Lord said, I created man for my glory. I created how it must grieve the Lord when he looks at the world and he sees it full of so much, so much sin that is an affront to his glory. We find the Bible says that the Lord God formed man out of the dust ground. God formed him. He fashioned him. The word form means to place with a plan he formed and shaped man with a purpose in mind. And man was there to function, to fulfill that agenda. Unlike any other creature, we're not like a cow, we're not like a dog, we're not like a cat. We're, we're different. God spoke all the creatures in the world into existence except for man. When it come to man, he took the dust of the ground and he formed us, he fashioned us. And the Lord made Adam, and he made all kinds of trees to grow around in the garden. And he placed there everything that was good for food and pleasant to the eyes. But in the middle of the garden, he placed the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Not only did God put trees and God put food and God put all these different things, but he had, had rivers that flowed for, through Eden uh, there was a river that flowed from Eden and it separated into four different branches. The Pishon, which means increase, meandered in the land of Havala. A land, Havala, Havala means a land of gold that is filled with sweet resin and onyx stone. Also was one of the branches of Gion, are bursting forth, are which means rapid or rushing or the which means fruitful. God set him up really well. God set up Adam and Eve really well. He had food. He had a scented garden. He had the original potpourri. He had animals. He had gold. He had a place. He had a purpose. Then God gave to him at this juncture, the most important thing that he needed, and that was a partner. God said, it's not good that man should be alone. He said, I will make him a helpmeet for him. So can you imagine what Adam and Eve must have thought when they first began to see all this? Their eyes must have been wide with wonder when they stepped in a place where everything was good. Everywhere you looked, the fruit was good. Everywhere you looked, everything was fine. It wasn't a bad thing around. They had a sin and They had animals. They had gold. They had a purpose. They had a daily communion with the Lord in the cool of the day. The Bible said that the voice of the Lord come walking in the garden in the cool of the day. They had a relationship with God. Everything was great. Everything was, was, was wonderful. Everything that God intended to impart to Adam and to Eve, everything he wanted them to know, they knew. Let me say that again. Everything that Adam and Eve wanted to know or needed to know, they knew. They knew that with that connection and fellowship with the relationship of their creator. They had wonderful trees that they could partake of. Amen. The Bible says in in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 9. The trees looked good, and they tasted good, including the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But God singles out and tells them you can have every tree, every fruit tree. It's going to look good, and it's going to taste good. Somebody say it looks good and tastes good. Every All kinds of trees. He said that there's two trees in the garden, and there's the tree of life. You can eat of it. There was not a moratorium on the tree of life. He only gave them prohibition of one tree. You are not to partake of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Now, you can believe like you want, but I'll believe like I want and be right. But when, when, when God created the tree of knowledge of good and evil, he made it look good and no doubt taste good. If God did not want to share that with them at some juncture, then he probably would have just kept it out of the garden. But he put the tree there for a particular purpose. We find that both trees were intended, no doubt, for sometime consumptions. Both were intended to be different from the others because they were based on a relationship with God. Both were there to deal with life issues. Not the other fruits, not the other trees, just these two trees. Amen. Both were intended to deal with life issues. One was life-giving and the other was life-directing. Life-giving and God gave them a life-directing tree, but he put a moratorium on them. He said, don't eat the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God made it consumable, but he made it forbidden. He also pro- pronounced, he said, don't, don't, don't you put that in your mouth. What, what is the purpose of all of this? He meant so many gifts, so many good things was at the disposal of Adam and Eve. This first couple had the most powerful gift given to them, perhaps beyond the other gifts even. And that was that God gave Adam and Eve free will. Think about it. Think about it. He didn't make robots that worshipped him. He didn't make uh, angels that had no choice. He made people. He made man and he made woman. And he said, you can have all of this except one. I give you the choice of not eating one. Why is it always that one thing that trips us up? Why is it that only one thing that can get in our way? We can live and we do great all the other time. we got that one thing that's out there hanging and drawing us and wooing us. Amen. The fact of it is, is that Adam and Eve had a choice. And the choice was between life and death. Because God said if you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will die. They didn't have a concept of death because to them death was foreign. Death didn't exist. They no doubt didn't all understand what that meant. But he said, the tree of life is for you to have life. But the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat of it. For in the day you eat it, you will surely die. Satan comes along and he entices them to eat of that tree by attacking the word of God. (coughs) The battle in the garden was not over the forbidden fruit. The battle was not over the fruit. It was over obedience or disobedience. The battle was over the choice between life and... And death, can I tell you still today, and from that day until today, and until the Lord comes back again, it will always be a battle over the choice of, did God say that or did he not say that? Right. You know what, You we look in our society today, we see it right in our face. Did God say this about marriage or did he not say this about marriage? Did God say this about gender or did he not say this about gender? <clears throat> So, why did God place a tree with deadly fruit in the garden? Why did God put restrictions on man so man could experience obedience that is freely given towards? God. Amen. Because without the ability of choice, there is no freedom to disobey. He gave them the freedom to obey or disobey. The bottom line, it was their choice. What are you going to do with this information that you have? God gave them a choice life or death, his word or their word, his word or Satan's word. Amen. And so sadly, Adam and Eve took the choice and they listened to the words of a slithering snake and disobedience came in their heart and the first family partook of something God forbid and it said that you will die. You will die. Sin brought death, not immediate physical death, but it brought separation from God. It brought separation. You see, death is not a destination. It's separation. It's separation. Genesis chapter three and verse twenty-two, if you could read that, please.
0: And the Lord God said, Behold, the man is become as one of us to know good and evil. And now lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live
1: for. Mm-hmm.
0: Therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the garden
1: of Eden. He home, kicked the
0: family out to till the ground from whence he was taken. So he drove out the man and placed him the east of the garden of Eden cherubim. and a flame of
1: spiritual. Get the picture. Adam and Eve only had it good all their life to this point. Everything was good. Everything was wonderful. They had a nice home life. They had a nice relationship with each other. I mean, they had whatever food. they. mm, There it was. They had a presence with God. They walk with God. They commune with God until they day, de- the day that sin, you see, sin and unholiness always separates God. Holy and unholy just don't mix. Sin and righteousness just don't mix. And God said, I can't let man get back to the tree of life, because if he gets back to the tree of life, he'll live forever in this state, and I can't afford for man to live. He cannot exist in that state and live forever in that sin. We look at it as being God's harsh and God is mean. And where did we get the crazy notion today that as long as it feels good and looks good, it's got to be good. It didn't look good. It didn't feel good. I'm sure that Adam and Eve wept when they left the garden. I'm sure they were petrified to see the cherubims flump come down. Angelic beings that came down with the flaming sword that the Lord put. Amen. That is guarding. Them. And he said, you can't go back. You can't get back. I'm protecting you. I know you don't understand this, but I'm protecting you. I am keeping you from the way of the tree of life. If you get back to it, then you are going to be in a terrible position. Praise the Lord. Somebody say amen. And so God kicked them out. God placed, notice this, he placed cherubims, these powerful angels, to guard the way or the path to the tree of life. In the Bible, the cherubim have access to the throne room of God. You find them there, standing around. They are the beings that cry, holy, 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 in Isaiah's uh, vision. We find that they were the ones that were in charge in keeping the unholy from the holy. They were the guards of holiness. They were the guardians of righteousness. I believe they're still in operation today. Somebody say amen. Praise God. Amen. I'm glad I don't have to holler at you for you to say amen. I said I'm glad I don't have to holler at you for you to say amen. Thank you. How many times did Adam and Eve look at the garden longingly? Look at the provision they could see right over there. Look at what they used to have right over there. Longing for the day that they could commune with the Lord. I'm telling you what, this disrupts their whole world. But God did not leave them without a promise. For he had promised to them in Genesis 3 and 15. Read it, David, please. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What is he saying? I want you to know I'm leaving you with a promise that one day there is going to be a way where you could get back into relationship with me. Amen. Man could not get to the tree of life, but God said, I'll get the tree of life to you. I said, man cannot get to the tree of life, but God says, i have ways of getting the tree of life to you. There were times when the tree of life would walk unexpectedly and suspectedly among humanity. In Genesis chapter 18, the Bible says that the Lord appeared to Abraham in memory, and he was sitting, Abraham was in his tent door, in the heat of the day. When I read that and studying, I about shouted, All of a sudden, in the heat of the day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and look and behold, there were three men coming to him and he saw them. He ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the ground. As it began to come to pass, it was the Lord of glory and two angels showing up at his tent door in the heat of the day. God said, I don't have to have a cool of the day if I'm going to go show up because I am the tree of life. I'll show up when I want. I got my bodyguards with me. And so I'm going to show up and I'm going to tell you. And what did God tell Abraham? He said, your wife, Sarah, is going to have life. New life. When he showed up, the tree of life showed up with the cherubims beside him and gave a message of life. Ah, man could not get to the tree, but the tree would come to man. We find that the day of the tree of life, a man came to Abraham, it meant that man had some kind of access to life. In the Old Testament tabernacle in Moses and the tabernacle in the wilderness, we find the cherubim are embroidered on the tabernacle tapestries in the holy place and on the veil, guarding, as it were, the holiness of God. We find that the Ark of the Covenant, was a little box that symbolized the presence of holiness and the protecting power of God and he put a mercy seat or a lid on top of that box and in that box it was covering over that box the the manna and it was covering uh, the law and it was covering Aaron's rod amen symbolizing the miraculous the word amen and God's plan for a priesthood God has a way of keeping things do you know what was on top of that box what was connected to that box that box lid was known as the mercy seat and that mercy seat had two cherubims that were over that mercy seat looking as it were from one side to the other guarding that holiness guarding that life as it were in the tabernacle again there was tapestries of beautiful and beings that were known as cherubims that was known in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 5 as the cherubim of glory the glory shadowing the mercy seat hallelujah what is it? it is a picture showing us that the way of the tree of life was protected we just come through the Christmas season do you know what showed up to Mary. Read Luke chapter one.
0: And the angel said to her, Fear not, Mary, thou hast found favor with God. Yep. And behold, thou shalt conceive thy womb and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called Son of the Highest. Mm-hmm.
1: Could it have been? I don't know. I'm just speculating here. But could it have been that the same cherubims that guarded the garden were the ones that showed him up to talk about life? Coming into this world. The angels announced his arri- arrival to the shepherds on the hillside. Amen. They found the root, the branch, and the offspring of David personified and exemplified in a baby. They found the lily of the valley and the bright morning star personified and exemplified in a baby. They found the great I am, the king of glory, the amen of God, and the alpha and omega. They found the Messiah in the and they found the Holy One of Israel there. But they did not just find him that was all of that. They found he that was the personification and the example of the tree of life wrapped in swaddling clothes. It was an angel that warned Joseph, arise, take young child and his mother and flee to Egypt. What was he doing? He was protecting the tree of life from the unholy tyranny of Herod that wanted to kill the the baby Jesus. It was an angel that said, take him back now. It's time Herod's dead. You can go back. Hallelujah. After Jesus fasted for 40 days, Satan attacked him and tempted him. Why? He wanted to catch Jesus in a weakened state to derail the purpose of Messiah. After Jesus withstood all that Satan threw at him, after he come through the temptation, the Bible says that the angels showed up and began to minister to him. What was it? It was the cherubim saying, I got to protect the holy. I got to protect the holy. I got to take care of the way of the tree of life. Something unique and powerful was that Jesus said in John 14 and 6, I am, I am the way, I am the truth. And I am the life. No man cometh unto the father but by me. He is the way to the truth and the truth will lead you to the life. Hallelujah. We preach him as the way and we expound upon him as the truth. But I've come to tell you today, I want to talk to him about the life. He is our everlasting life. Yes. He is our eternal life. Yes. But he is your life right now. He is your life at this very moment. He is- is your life and your world that is in chaos? He is your life and breath. Jesus said in John ten and ten. not but to steal and destroy. I am life, and I'm not just coming to give life. Jesus said, "I've come to give you abundant life. You don't have to." Do- Amen. He said, I come to give you life. Because if you taste of this tree, this tree, he put it in the form of water. When he said to the woman at the well, if you drink from this well water, you're going to thirst again. But the water I have to give you, you'll never thirst again. I want to tell somebody today, you need to get a hold of Jesus like you've never got a hold of him before. And believe that he is not only the way in your world. He's not only the truth in your world. He is the way of life in your world. Matter of fact, he come to bring dead men to life. Jesus came to bring dead men to life. Look at our life on the cross. Mark chapter 15 and verse 25, if you would begin to read that. Okay, hold on a second. So they hang the tree of life on a cross. And instead of two cherubims, he's got two thieves. I don't know about you, but perhaps it was a way that hell was sent to try to desecrate the tree of life. Hell would come along and you will find that. Uh, read on, please, David. And the scripture was fulfilled. It was railed on him
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. Man,
1: they're you're ragging on him, aren't they? Look at verse thirty two. They were making fun of him. They were mocking him. They were laughing at him. All the while he's hanging up there. He's paying for their sins. He's paying for their wrongs. He's saying, Father, forgive them before they ever do what they did to him. Amen. I want to tell you today, what was he doing? He knew what was about to happen. If you look at the scenes, the angels are no longer standing on his left and the right, but the tree of life sandwiched between two three thieves. Amen. No longer being comforted by The angels, he's reviled by the thieves. Angels that once announced his arrival are now being replaced by common criminals that are announcing his defeat, seemingly. (coughs) The scene appears to be harsh, horrible. At the very time he's hanging on the cross, a priest is standing in front of the altar of incense, looking before the veil about to go into the place of the Holy of Holies and standing right before him is those symbolic embroidered cherubims that are saying, we are guarding the way to the way of holy. And as he was there, Jesus, when he cried out, Matthew 27, 50, when Jesus cried out with a loud voice and yielded up the ghost, that mean that he died. He said, and behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from top to the bottom. We're talking about, A a, a heavy piece of cloth That could not be ripped by man But God said I'm going to rip it From heaven to earth And standing right before the high priest That is there waiting to go Into the holy place as it were He finds that now it is exposed The way into the holy place of God Is now exposed What is he doing? Oh what is happening there? I'm telling you what is happening Is that the Lord is making Taken away so that man who is dead in sin and trespasses can now go find his way towards the garden of redemption and begin to say, I can live if I can just get to the tree of life, I'll live if I could just make my way to Jesus, I'll live if I could just taste of Jesus, I'll live. May have looked like the end, but it was really the beginning. Mark sixteen and four. If you would read that. Now they had put Jesus in the tomb. You know that is so true. Now all of a sudden they find the stone rolled away, for it's very great. And go ahead.
0: Okay, they, they these.
1: On this particular occasion, they walk in and they see a young man clothed on the right side. And what does the young man say? and he uh-huh. said
0: unto them, uh-huh. be not afraid. Seek Jesus of Nazareth, mm-hmm. which was
1: crucified. Mm-hmm. He is risen. Mm-hmm.
0: He is not here. Behold the place where they laid
1: him. Look at him. This is where they laid him. Look at here. This is where they put him. He was Dead in his body when he laid here. But I want to tell you, he come out. And when he come out, not only was the temple rent, the veil in the temple rent, but he rent hell wide open. And he led captivity captive and he gave gifts unto men. I'm talking about the way of the tree of life. Oh, that Adam lost. Jesus is known as the second Adam. What Adam lost, Jesus came back and he bought. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Look at John chapter 20 and verse 11. And Mhm. And Uh-huh. And what did she see? Two angels in white sitting the one at the head and the other at the feet the if that scripture don't make you jump and shout after a while I've been preaching you must be Holy Ghost set because I'm going to tell you what was happening is that the mercy seat was being depicted right before their eyes the one that was there was the mercy seat himself he was the mercy liver, giver himself he was the life giver himself and they said that which we had to protect we don't have to protect anymore because he is now risen he has now paid the price this is the reason redemptive plan of Genesis 3.15, he has now made a way for you to go back and partake of everlasting life. There's a way for you and me to taste life unlike any other way. If you look at Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 14 if you would read that, well, by, one offering, he had for
0: every that by one offering on the cross okay yes
1: their sins and their iniquities, I will remember no more. Hallelujah. Read.
0: Okay. There the
1: Where? We can now enter boldly into the holiness, the holiest that which Adam stood in fright, that which man has looked at with fright. I can't come close to God because I am a sinner. I cannot get close to God because I am a sinner. Amen. But by one sacrifice, by one sacrifice, the life giver, the tree of life has now made mm, read the next one. Hallelujah. By a new and
0: living way which he had consecrated Ooh. through the Where?
1: Oh, my goodness.
0: That is to say, his flesh and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water.
1: Woo! He said, I've come to you to give you a new and living way. I've come to give you a way that is past the veil. I've come to give you a way that's past all the cherubims, that's protected the holiness. I'll take the smallest among you. I'll take the blackest among you. I'll take the darkest among you. I'll take the most dreadful sinner among you. And I've paid the price so that when he has redemption in my blood and in my name, he can now enter into my presence David or Peter quoted David in the Acts 2 message and he said thou hast made known to me the ways of a life hallelujah Paul put it like this in Galatians 2 and 20 I'm crucified with Christ nevertheless I live yet not I but Christ liveth in me and the life somebody say the life What life, the abundant life, which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Hallelujah. Paul said, we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifested in our mortal flesh. Jesus came to give us life. The story is told of an aspiring artist who sculptured a beautiful angel and wanted the master Michelangelo to examine it and offer his opinion. Michelangelo was called in and carefully inspected the sculpture from every angle. Finally, the accomplished artist said, well, well, Sir, it only lacks one thing, and then turned and walked away. The puzzle would-be artist didn't understand, and he certainly didn't know what it lacked. Too embarrassed to go and ask Michelangelo himself, he sent a friend to Michelangelo's studio to try and find out what the statue lacked. And the great artist said this, It lacks life. It lacks life. There's a lot of people today who are living, but they lack life. They have a car, but they don't have any direction. They lack life. They reside in a home, but they don't have any enduring peace. They lack life. They have money, but no sense of security. They lack life. Clothes that fill their closets, but they lack life. There is a hollow sense of loneliness that could be unbearable to them. Why? They lack life. They have never come in contact with Jesus, the tree of life. I don't know about you, but I, I really enjoy I don't get to catch every one of them, but I, I try to keep up with Bishop Wall's post on Facebook. Some of the best writing, of course, we know. We know. But some time back, if I may share with you one of his posts, quote, John did not receive what the world did not know him. John did not write, rather, that the world did not know him. Let me say that again. John did not write that the world did not know him, but they did not receive him. Quoted the scripture, but as many as received him to give to them, gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. He said, the privilege of personal choice is emphasized with this statement. God did not force humanity to embrace him. It is by choice that we accept Jesus as the Lord of our lives. But it is a choice which must be made in our lifetime. Wise will be the person who makes such a choice to surrender their life to the Lord for all of eternity. You see, I could preach all this to you. I try to paint a picture of how the Lord works in such a beautiful way. But unless I go to him, unless I go to him and I receive him. And that doesn't just mean to say I receive him as my personal savior. I receive him as Lord and anything he asks of me, I will do. His word says, repent. I'm going to repent. I receive him. His word says to turn from my sin. I receive him. His word says to be buried in water baptism in his name. I receive him. His word says that I will be filled with his Holy Spirit. I receive him. Hallelujah. Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. I eat him. Hallelujah. Jesus is not some better life or another life. He is the everlasting only life. He's the answer to the dead heart that is in the hearts of men and women. He is the answer to the separation of the presence of God. I was grieved the other day as I was watching a a video of a former believer, preacher, who formerly believed A moniker of truth at least. Now he's saying, there is no hell. There is multiple ways to get to God. Any way you go, you're going to wind up. I thought, oh my, you have lost your connection in any way to the tree of life. Because when you taste him, you realize there is no, there is no other. There's only one that's resurrected. Muhammad didn't rise from the dead for me. Buddha didn't rise from the dead for me. Amen. Confucius didn't rise from the dead for me. Ah, But my Lord and Savior did. Hallelujah. The evidence is clear. It's there. Historically, amen, it is there. Biblically, it is there. Archaeologically, it is there. Praise the Lord. Would you stand with me, please? Jesus told Nicodemus, he said, if you want to enter into the kingdom, you have to be born again. What he's saying is that you need new life. Your life, if you're not living the life that Christ gives, then you're away from God. You're standing as Adam, looking into what you think you could have and what you wish you could have, but there's something that's blocking you because you've never got the message in your heart that says, Jesus made a way. Jesus made a way. 1 John 5 and 11 says, And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath The Son hath life. Conversely, he that hath not the Son hath not life. If you're living for Jesus and you're pursuing Jesus with all your heart and you're following after him and obeying and receiving him, you have life. You have life. I'm talking about lift up your head. Be excited and be thankful. Wherever death comes into your world, life is there to overshadow that. Whatever separation that you seem like has happened in your world, oh, pray life. He's a life giver. Lord, give life to this relationship. Lord, give life to this home. Lord, give life to this body. Lord, give life. Should the Lord tarry Every one of us is going to go by the way of grave. Every one of us. I don't care. I mean, I felt like Brother Joe when I was a young guy. I was going to live forever. Still do some days. But I have come to the realization it's just a. And I step into new life. Abundant forever life. Forever life. Hallelujah. I'm so glad to tell you today that there is a way back to Jesus. There's a way back to Jesus. If you have never repented of your sins, let me just say this. He's made a way you could do that. Change your mind. Amen. Repent of your sins. Turn 180 degrees and walk in the direction of heaven. If you have never been baptized in his name, amen, and said, this is my tree of life way. This is the way. Hallelujah. You know, that that's what they call them in the early church, the people of the way, because they were walking in that way, the tree of life. You've never been baptized with the power of the Holy Ghost. It is not some mumbo jumbo fictitious thing. I know there's fakes and frauds, but it's real. Oh, pursue the way that he has prepared for you, the new and the living way praise be to God. If you feel your need to to just simply touch the tree of life today, touch Jesus. I want to just step out and come to this front. I want to just step out. You feel like, man, I did, and I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be unkind, but get out of my way. I'm going to go touch Jesus. I, I want to touch Him today. I, I, I want to, I want to let Him know you're my life source. You are my sustainer, Lord. Hallelujah. I want fellowship with you. If you could fellowship. With Abraham in the heat of the day, Lord, you can fellowship me with me in my day, in my situation, in my season, in my crisis, in my issues, in my hard time. When it looked like my promise isn't being fulfilled, you can come and fellowship with me. Hallelujah! Divine revelation, come with the consuming of the life. Would somebody tell Jesus, "I need you today, I need you today, I need you, O oh Life Giver, I need you, oh Life Giver."
0: Thank you for joining us today. We pray you have been encouraged. If you would like more information about Medora Pentecostal Church, you can check out our website at www.medorachurch.com.